Hello and welcome to the sixth Redeem the Time podcast. This is Levi Myers. This is Chase Noblin. Today we have a different episode for you. We actually have our first guest on the podcast. We have with us our friend Gideon Hewitson. Hi, Gideon. Hi, Levi. Hi, Chase. Uh, it's great to be on here with you guys uh, and do this episode. I'm really excited about it. Yeah, so we were discussing topics that we could potentially do with Gideon, and the topic that we decided to do was living a life of love, which I think fits really well with our topic, Redeem the Time. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know, having listened to some of their other podcasts, I love the fact that uh, this really ties in with a lot of them, like you're saying, um, and it's a great follow-up to the class you just had, um, or the, uh, the podcast you just had on on walking in faith. I think these two go hand in hand and you'll see that in scripture a lot where faith and love come up together. So it's a great follow-up, I think, to, to continue on that, that same theme. Right. So maybe, maybe just um, to jump right into it, um, what got you, like, I know you mentioned to me that you've kind of been looking into this topic a little bit. You've been doing a little bit of personal study on it. Um, what got you interested in this topic and, and maybe what's a good place to start? Yeah. I mean, Obviously, love's a big part of the Bible. Um, maybe a funny little analogy, but one that I always really like was we talk about the Bible being, um, uh, or water in the Bible is a type of the Word of God. Um, and we know a mo- water molecule now uh, is made up of kind of three elements, um, two small hydrogens, one big oxygen. And someone pointed out to me at one point that that kind of makes up the Bible, right? We have these, these three elements, faith, hope, and love. And love being the greatest of those makes up that water molecule of the Word of God. Um, and so it kind of got me thinking, like, this is a major part of the scripture, right? Um, we know that God describes himself as being love and, and that, um, if we want to know God, we have to understand what love is and we have to be able to show love to one another. Um, so I think it, obviously it's a crucial, crucial bit of scripture to understand. And so I've, I've definitely delved into that a lot recently and, and the different aspects of it. One of the things that I came across recently, and I'd be interested to see what you guys thoughts on this are, um, is that I feel like there's two components that make up love. Um, one, you have to be able to choose. You know, you can't be forced to love. Love is a choice. It's something we have to choose to do. And the other is it has to be a sacrifice, right? You have to be able to give up um, something for it to be love. If you're not sacrificing, you're not giving anything up, it's not love. I like it. I, I This sounds like it's going to be a great topic. So um, do you have like a, a verse that you like to go to for love? Maybe I'll make a, a further make make that further uh, more challenging for Gideon. Uh, can you think of a verse that helps you define love and give us a good definition for what love is from a scriptural perspective? Yeah, I, I think one that you guys brought up uh, a few podcasts ago, but but it's kind of maybe a good a good section of scripture to go to um, when we're talking about love. Um, comes up in kind of John thirteen to fifteen, uh, kind of the, the last commandments, last little bit of scripture that Christ gives to his disciples. Um, and he, he, this is where we have what we call the new commandment, right? Christ says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Um, and then in John 15, 13, I think this is the one that you guys brought up. He says, greater love has no man than this than to lay down his life for his friends. Right. And I think that's maybe a good example for us, right? It's, it's self-sacrifice, like Levi said, right? It's laying down our lives for one another. Right. I love that concept because, you know, within that concept, we have the whole plan and purpose of God kind of spelled out that Christ would lay down his life for us and that that provides us with the definition of what scriptural love really is, that Christ in completing God's plan 
showed us the definition of what love is. So Gideon, um, not to be prescriptive here, um, but what do you think about kind of living love in our life? What does it really look like? Because it's kind of an abstract concept. Yeah, 100%. It can be it can be hard to maybe nail down sometimes when we think about the broad terms. Um, like you said, I think Christ is a great example to start with going to his life. We, we obviously think of the death of Christ as being that great sacrifice of love. Um, but it was Christ is the ultimate example of a life of love. We see day in and day out, he, he put others' needs first before his own. Um, you see in the relationships that he had, whether it was with his friends, his family, um, even those who weren't close to him, he was willing to take his time and, and give it to them, um, redeeming that time in a sense, right? Uh, in service to others and, and, and finding ways to provide for them. Yeah. That was awesome. Not only did he pull in the name of the podcast, but he said 100%. That's right. <laughs> yes. He's in. He's in the, yeah, he's in the club officially. <laughs> the 100% podcast club. Um, but, but to your point, self-sacrifice is everything that Christ was. And you mentioned um, the, him dying on the cross. When we get to that point in his life, we see that ultimate um, example of, of that, that uh, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. And I think if, if there's anywhere in scripture that we do want to go for, for finding um, some, some good examples for love, it's Christ. And I think he, he really is a, is a great place to go. And obviously um, he's such a focus. So yeah, I, I thought I, I really like that point. Um, but no, to continue with that idea of, of sacrifice and how that shows a life of faith as well and how those two go hand in hand, right? We see with Christ, he, he constantly was putting his trust in God when sacrificing for others. And I think that's the same for us, right? Like if we're not sacrificing to the point where it hurts, uh, where we have to put our reliance and faith in God, um, we're not really sacrificing enough. And that's kind of maybe a, a good a good practical line for us to draw in my showing love. Am I at a point where I have to put my trust in God? Am I at a point where I'm sacrificing for others and, and putting myself down where I'm no longer trusting in myself, but I have to put my trust in God. Um, you see those two ideas start to go hand in hand um, as a good measure, right? We think of the widow with two mites. Mm, and that, that That is such a hard thing to be honest with yourself about because our tendency is to so easily think sometimes, maybe not all the time, but sometimes we think we're doing enough um, or I did this nice thing or I'm kind in this way to somebody or this group of people and therefore I'm showing love. But when we really look at our lives and like you say, you kind of have that measure of how much am I doing or yeah, how much am I displaying love in my life? I think that's when you'll really find, you know, just how much you actually are showing. And I think that's hard to do. I think that's a hard question to ask yourself, but I think it's an important one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's the, the, the tough thing with love is, is it's really hard to find that line of, is it self-serving or is it actually self-sacrifice? Um, and you have to be honest with yourself and, and going back to God's word and looking at the example of Christ is, is a great way to, to continue to, to use that guide of, of, you know, who am I doing this for? Why am I doing this? Is it for the right reasons? Right. 
so we've we've actually we we kind of have touched on this in another podcast, but I think it's important to bring up again. Like you mentioned, are we serving ourselves or are we serving others? And there's so many aspects of our life where pride comes into the picture, and obviously pride is is such a big issue that we have to try and deal with. It's it's um it's a sin that I think so many of us can relate to because sometimes we can be prideful almost without realizing it. And it's, yeah, it's so important to recognize because it can creep up very quickly and very easily. And, and suddenly we're being prideful in a, in a, in a, in a place where it really doesn't belong. Um, and obviously that's not showing love. That's showing, that's showing love to yourself, which is, which is not, you know, the, the type of love we're looking to to display. That's not the scriptural love that we're looking to display. Um, that's very interesting. Yeah. No, I think that's uh, those are those are really good thoughts. Maybe to go another direction here with love, because this is something that has kind of taxed my mind a bit. Maybe you guys have some ideas on this. Um, if you go to First Peter chapter four, this is just one example. This comes up in a number of different places, but in First Peter chapter four, it says in verse eight, "Above all, keep your love for one another fervent, because love covers." a multitude of sins. And then if you go over to Proverbs is chapter 10, something similar comes up in Proverbs 10 verse 11. It says, hatred stirs up dissension, but love covers all transgressions. And so I wonder if you guys, so obviously we can think about this from a spiritual perspective. Um, Christ's love for us and that he showed in his sacrifice is the way that our sins can be forgiven, can be covered. But when we think about us personally, how does our love cover the sins of other people? That is such a good question because if love call, if love covers a multitude of sins, and I'm my mind, I don't know why my mind goes here, but my mind instantly goes to that verse that talks about um, he who um, like recovers a brother. Um, this is such a paraphrase, but he who saves a soul from death co- covers a multitude of sins. In the context of like, um saving uh, a brother or a sister who's fallen away from Christ. Do you know what, do you know the verse I'm talking about? Yeah, I think it's in James, but keep going. I'll see if I can find it for you. Right. And I don't know exactly why my mind goes there, but I I think it's because that is an ultimate expression of love is, is when we see someone who's struggling or maybe someone who's in, in not a very good spiritual place. And we, and we, we see that and we see them having a difficult time we have options, right? One, we can judge them for that. We can look down on them. We can we can build a wall around ourselves and protect ourselves from that so-called sin, or we can do everything that we can to to help that brother to to come by his side and to to work with him and to strengthen him and to build him up and to bring him back. And I think in in the context of, of that verse, maybe this is a little bit unrelated, but but love col- covers a multitude of sins. I feel like that that kind of ties in quite well. Any thoughts there, Gid? Yeah, I I think when we talk about that covering of sins, I mean a big part of that has to do with with what love is, right? When we talked about this right at the beginning, that, that love is from God, right? And that's that's how we understand love, and that's that's a big thing God's looking for us in it in um in our lives is for us to manifest his character and, and to show kind of who he is to other people. And when we, we are showing love, we're doing that. And we know that God is forgiving and merciful. Um, 
you know, long suffering. Uh, he's willing to overlook our transgressions. I think that makes up a big part of what love is. And that's why love covers a multitude of sins. Because again, to show love, you have to be able to move past those differences. Um, there's a verse that I really love when it comes to this kind of concept. Um, we find in Romans 5. And so this little section of scripture that, that uh, to me, I find very powerful and very moving. But Paul says in Romans 5 um, that our hope doesn't disappoint. Um, for while we were still helpless... At the right time, Christ came and died for us. In verse 6, he says, for the ungodly. He goes on to say that for hardly for a righteous man would one dare to die. And, and, you know, none of us would really feel the need to die for someone who's already been perfected, who's already has eternal life. Um, but for a good man, perhaps he would die, right? There's, there's people close to us that we care about. We're, we'd be willing to die for. Um, but he says God uh, demonstrates his love to, towards us and that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through his death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And so what Paul's saying here is, you know, God, while we were enemies with him, separated by our sins, his love is shown to us in the fact that he overlooked those sins. And I think that's a great example for us as well, right? Forgiving other people is a big piece of how we show love to them. And so that's how we cover a multitude of sins is by looking past them. Right. And he demonstrates that all throughout scripture. If, if, and it, it's important to remember too, it's a two way street type of thing. We have to be willing to put in, in the effort, um, right. And, and reciprocate seeking God. But if we're willing to do that, he will have that long suffering nature with us. And, you know, at that moment, at that exact moment, when we turn from sin and we're ready to seek God, that's when he can work with us and he will work with us. Look at Israel, right? People all throughout scripture who continuously seem seemingly had periods where they turned their back on God, but God didn't give up on them because when they did seek him, he, you know, he remembered his promise with them and, and he, and he drew near to them and he helped them and he will do the same thing for us. And we should do, as an extension, the same thing to our brothers and sisters. So great point. Awesome. Gideon, I love that verse that you brought up in Romans 5, and it really ties in well to what you were getting at earlier, Levi, uh, in answer to the question I asked. Uh, It was in James chapter 5, I think the verse that you were looking for. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and hide a multitude of sins. And so this idea of what we can do, showing love to our brothers and sisters to help convert them is actually an act of love. And that in that act of love, we can hide a multitude of sins. I think that's what it's getting at in Proverbs and in Peter. And that ties in really nicely with what you brought up in Romans chapter five, Gideon, that everything is flowing down from the love of God. God's love to us was to send us his son to save us from our sins. And if we show love to our brothers and sisters by helping them when they're struggling with sin, we're actually showing God's love because God's love was to save us from our sins, right? So this all kind of rolls up into 1 John chapter 3. Uh, It says there in verse 1, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the sons of God. Um, And I think it's, it's, it's really drawing out this point now that God's his work with us is to make us his sons and daughters. And any way that we can help him in that effort 
is showing to our brothers and sisters his love. The same love he showed to us by sending his son, we showed to our brothers and sisters when we try to strengthen them on their walk to the kingdom. And in that way, we can hide a multitude of sins. Does that make sense? So I think it's it's a very practical um, outworking of love. When we And it's not actually the way we would traditionally think of love. And this is maybe getting into, I think, another whole area we could go with this, Gideon, which is the world has a specific idea as to what love is, the fairy tale rom-com approach to love, right? It's not legit. It's just their approach to what they think love is, the Hollywood, uh, the Hollywoodized version of love. But what we see is that God's love, um, you know, it's not quite as straightforward as that. Maybe it even involves rebuke at times, correction. It can involve having tough conversations with people, right? Um, right. So I think it's just, it's a different, um, yeah, Levi, go ahead. I, yeah, I, I re- that really struck a chord with me because I think when we are going through our lives and we, we run into different situations of life, we are going to be very, you know, not necessarily, you know, really bad things, but sometimes we're going to be involved in really bad things. And Israel was involved in some really bad things. All you have to do is read through some of the minor prophets, like some of the stuff that was going on was really bad, like really bad sins. And they're in in really bad situations that we maybe would look at. And um, if we saw someone doing it today, we'd be like, whoa, that's, that's really bad. Um, but it's important to remember God can work with that and that love that you were talking about can still come in those almost those, those situations that, yeah, they're not flashy. They're not the the billboard like perfect love. Like Christ was the, obviously a perfect example of that where he never sinned, but we're not like that. And God is still willing to work with us. And that's exciting. That's, that's, that's motivating because yeah, it, it, it is. Yeah, and and to go along with that, you know, it, like you're saying, that it's not necessarily this, I don't know, fairy tale that we keep the word to keep using, right? Fairy tale love, and so we ask ourselves, what is it, right? And and God's amazing. Right? He doesn't just leave us with this. Here's this general concept of love. He gives us specific things we can work on. Um, and I think Galatians five is one of my favorite lists that God gives us as a breakdown for love. Right? It's commonly termed the fruit of the spirit. Um, right. It starts off with love, but then God goes into and says these are kind of some of the components of love. It's being joyful. It's being at peace with one another. Um, it's being patient. And like you said, right, sometimes it's just being patient with someone, hearing them out, you know, not responding. You know, that's not this big romantic gesture. It's it's something small, mundane. At the bottom of the list, you have self-control, right? Another one where it's kind of, it's kind of a small, mundane thing. But that's how right. we show love, like controlling maybe, ourselves. Maybe it's something you're not doing that you refrain from, right? Something that you're naturally inclined to do, like respond. Um, to something in a, in a in a maybe aggressive or emotional way, and you hold back that self control. You're right; it, it, it can be the little things. Just to read through that list, so we get the whole list. You have um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. And it says, against such things, there is no law. Um, the idea being that when we do these things, you know, we talk about the Old Testament, the New Testament, the Bible. Um, broken down in these two sections and the old testament has all these laws and commandments and what christ does in the new testament is he fulfills that law he he gives us this one thing show love to one another and if you do that you'll do the rest of these commandments these all make up what love is um and so when we look back at that old testament, even more grand it's an even more granular vision of what god's trying to show us um how we want to live our lives how we want to live our lives 
Right. I think that's a, that's an awesome point, Gideon, to bring up kind of the, the contrast we get from the Old Testament to the New and sort of these these all these rules and laws that were provided. But really, Christ sums them up. He says, love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. And when we look at the examples of love, as is explained to us in the New Testament, but also in the Old, what we're seeing is that the love that true love is shown to our brothers and sisters and to the world in, in some respects, and also to God, that if we get the, if we get those two aspects of love nailed down, we've completed the law. So one of the things that we haven't really talked about yet um, is this idea of loving God, right? So we have love your neighbor as yourself, but also love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so I think John, uh, the epistle of John really brings this, um, brings us up really well because in, in John chapter first John chapter two, um, we get the, uh, verse 16, we get the things of the world, right? It says for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but it is of the world. And in verse 15, it said, love, not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the father is not in him. And so what we get is this contrast. We can either love God or we can love the things of the world. It's that simple. And Christ says, listen, you can do all the works of the law, but if you love the world, right? If you have pride, which Levi's already mentioned, if you have lust of the flesh or lust of the eyes, or in other words, things that are contrary to what God wants, if those are happening, operating in your mind, if that's your driving focus, then your love, your locus, or I guess your, um, your direction in life, your motivation in life, if your love is for the things of the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. And so we have this contrast that I think love is, is kind of summarizing for us. And it really gets at the core of what our motivation is in life. There's no way to hide, right? Yeah, and we talked about this earlier, right? The difference between kind of what people around us call love and what the Bible describes as love. Um, uh, and I think when you break it down, those three things that you listed, and we look at some of those negative characteristics that the Bible calls out, they're all self-serving. And there's this contrast between self-service and self-sacrifice, I think, right? Love, true love from God is sacrificing ourselves for others. And if we find that we're actually serving ourselves, you know, looking after ourselves instead of looking after others, um, we're no longer showing love to God. Uh, I love how John puts it in 1 John uh, 4, um, where he says in verse 20, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother, who he has seen, he cannot love God whom he has not seen. Right. Hmm. So this idea that to show love to God, we have to be sacrificing and showing love to others. Right. So important. And I think if we take this a step further and, and dial down on this even even a little bit more, um, when we ask the question or we talk about the 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 commandment, the new commandment, it's interest it's an interesting concept. Like what does that mean? Does that mean that Everything that we do, we should be measuring up to love. Is this, like Chase said, is this loving to God and is this loving to other people? And if we take that, use that as our measurement, does that mean that that is, that is, it's as simple as that in some ways? That's a really cool concept and that excites me. Yeah, I, I've been looking at this and the New Testament uses this term called the mystery reveal. Right, like Christ reveals this mystery that was hidden from the foundation of the world, and I think that might be it, Levi. Is is 
inside of the commandments, like Chase said, you see buried in there these, these ideas of love. And Christ comes and reveals that mystery, that these things that were hidden, um, you had to kind of study the law and pull them out and straighten them out. And now Christ makes it very plain and clear. Am I loving God? Am I loving my brothers and sisters? If that, if I'm not, it's that simple, right? It's not. Then I'm loving the world. I'm no longer loving God. Right. And it, it can be as simple. Like, is what I'm about to say loving to God? Is what I'm about to say loving to my brothers and sisters? If it's not, should I be saying it? Is the choice I'm about to make loving to others, loving to God? If it's not, should I make that choice? That's... That makes it so simple and easy um, to understand, not necessarily to implement, but to understand. And I think that's probably helpful to a lot of people because, you know, sometimes there's, there is so much in the Bible, there's so much information and knowledge, and, and obviously there's so much good, good things in there and it all builds on each other. But if we're able to use this as an as a, as a easy measurement to go to, and to think, is this loving God, first of all, and is this loving others, um, brothers and sisters specifically? Um, is that, you know, that's, that? I think that's great. I think that's a great thing we can go to. Yeah, so I think in a, a lot of places we have um, in the New Testament in, and in the Old, we're given these sort of guidelines for life, right? Um, ways we should be living in terms of morality, um, the oracles of God, principles that we should understand and recognize. Um, and do our best to live in our daily life. But what he's saying is that if, if you're doing any of these things without love, right, it's void. And Gideon's already going there, right? First Corinthians 13. Um, and this is, this is what the love chapter I think is really kind of teasing out for us. Um, cause Paul says, um, you know, he's not saying, you know, that there's, there's no right way to live. As long as you're loving, then you're good. Instead, he's saying that, well, there is a right way to live. If you don't do it in a loving way, then it's void. It's pointless because you've missed the, 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 the key principle, which is to do things with love. The whole, the whole point is you have to go back to, to love and you have to be always checking to make sure that you're doing it because of love and not because of self, not because of self-serving attitudes. And I think that gets down to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. He pulls on this idea of, you know, when I was a child, I acted like a child, but now I'm a man and I've got to act like a man. And, and when we think about, you know, childish love, our, our natural instinct is, you know, we, we love our parents, maybe we fight with our siblings. Um, but we're kind of, we, we, we're swayed by impulses a lot more when we're a child, child, right? And as we grow up, we have to start making those tough choices. We have to start choosing for ourselves what we're going to do. Um, and like we said, that's a big part of love is you've got to choose to show love to one another. Um, and in all our relationships, I know we, we stress brothers and sisters a lot, um, you know, cause that's some of the terms the Bible, the Bible uses, but, um, we think of the obvious relationships like in our marriage, um, to our parents, to our children. Um, but the Bible also stresses, we need to show love to our friends, um, to our neighbors, to the strangers in the land. Um, and even to our enemies, right? Every relationship that we can think of, the Bible at some point tells us you need to show love to that person. Um, and so it's a, it's a, a in our, all our interactions, it's a great litmus test, right? Am I showing love? Am I doing this out of self-sacrifice or self-service? Which can be hard to, 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 to swallow, right? Loving your enemy? Are you kidding me? Think about that. That's, that's as hard as it gets. 
especially if there's someone in your life who's really, really wronged you. Like that is, you know, but it's not going to be easy. Like it's a simple concept. Love is a simple concept. It's easy to understand, but it's so hard to implement. Um, hard and easy. Like it's 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 so funny. It's 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 complex, but it's simple. It's it's such an interesting topic. Yeah, it's easy to understand what you know being a loving person would look like, but then we find ourselves, you know, getting angry. We find ourselves, you know, lashing out at people. We find ourselves. Um, forgetting about others or putting ourselves, uh, our own needs over other people. You know, we just had a, uh, a CYC class. Um, it was Friday night and the brother mentioned, he said, you know, what was your first reaction? Who, who was your first thought for when this crisis began, when the pandemic began, who did you think about first? Um, you know, were you first worried about the continuity of your job? Were you worried about the food in your refrigerator? Were you worried about, you know, your own health and safety or the safety of your immediate friends and family? Um, and I think it really put in perspective for me because when I thought back, um, definitely those are my first thoughts. You know, it was about protecting my world, you know, first and foremost. And the Bible over and over again is emphasizing for us, you know, the real people we need to be concerned for, um, our others, right? Our brothers and sisters, the other people around us. Um, and if we're not putting that first, um, then I think we're, we're missing out. And in, in the same, in the same way, if we're not first, if we're not putting our faith first, if we're not putting God first, you know, was our first thought to pray or was it to, you know, go talk to our boss about how we were going to you know, make sure our job was going to continue and all, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Obviously, Levi wouldn't do that because he's his own boss. That'd be weird if he had his own conversation with himself. But I just think it's a very interesting, um, you know, thing to think about uh, when it comes I've done to. It. I've done it many times. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to myself alone. No. <laughs> um, but no, you make a, you make a very good point. I think we can pretty much all relate to that, right? It's it's that fight or flight instinct that we've talked about a few times, like the first thing we want to do, our knee-jerk reaction is always like self-protection. And um, yeah, this is this is talking about, in scripture, love is talking about being outward focused. And that's that's a really good check. That's a, that's a great point, um, especially in this current situation. Like, but I, I'm the same way. That for sure was not my first thought. My first thought was, oh, like I'm in web design, how many websites am I still going to be able to sell? <laughs> right? Like we, we, we do, we instantly do think about our own situations. And um, obviously those are important to think about at some point, but it is, it is an interesting thought to, to make sure that we're thinking of others. And again, I think going back to Christ is a great example for this, right? Someone who, when he was tired, you know, said, look, children come to me. He would not turn the people away. After days and days of preaching, he asked his disciples to feed 5,000 people. Um, he refused to turn people away, even when he was in the hard, uh, you know, the hardest of situations. Um, you know, you look at the Last Supper, he still has Judas there, someone who he knew was going to betray him, um, was still willing to just extend that bread to him, try to share that fellowship with him and, and show love to him during his most trying time in his life. Um, and I think, again, going back to that example and pulling on the strength that if Christ can do it, if Christ can make it through it, he can strengthen me to do the same thing in my life. 
whether it's going to him in prayer and asking him to give us that strength, whether it's reading the word, the word of God and, and gaining that, that strength from him um, through that, God can and Christ can provide that strength for us to, to overcome it and to, you know, overcome that knee-jerk reaction and instead lay down our lives and, and make that knee-jerk reaction to be uh, serving others and, and use, trusting in him and relying on him is how we can do that. Yeah, exactly. And we think of of Christ on, um, actually both on the cross, like even when he was at the point of, of death, he was still thinking about others, right? He said, forgive them for they know not what they do. Like his dying breath. That's yeah. He was, he was such an example. Like how much more powerful can you get than that? Well, sometimes, you know, the example of Christ can seem just like such a lofty goal. Um, and it is, but you also have the example of Stephen who did almost the exact same thing, right? When he was being stoned, he says, forgive them for they don't know what they do. He says the exact same thing that Christ said. He shows a tremendous amount of forgiveness and love for the people around him. And as a result, of course, we have the changing of heart in Paul. It didn't happen right then and there, but he was there, one of the people that was consenting to Stephen's death. And as a result of those actions, Stephen's words, it had an effect on Paul for the rest of his life. And he brings it up a number of times in, in, the, uh, in his writings. And so I think it's just a very powerful thing, the example of Stephen, to remember, you know, we can live up to some of these examples of Christ. We can put them into practice in our life. Um, if we are driven by the same drive that Christ had, a genuine love for God and a genuine love for the people that he'd come to save. And as Gideon mentioned, Romans chapter five, knowing that those people were yet sinners, right? Um, did we mention John 3.15? I don't know if we have, right? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so, you know, it's God's love ultimately that all of these examples in scripture is flowing from, right? God so loved the world that he chose to save it, even though the world hated him and hated his son and killed his son and hates the people who follow his son even till now because they're contrary to the world. I think that goes back to, and we haven't talked about this too much on the podcast, but but the purpose of God. Um, when you look at what is God's purpose and what is he trying to accomplish with this earth and with us and the people on it, when you look at scripture, we see um, God is building a family and we see that God is, is, is building a people who are, like we said at the beginning, showing his characteristics, showing that love just like he loves us to others. And when he sees that, he loves that. And he wants those people who do that to be a part of his family. And I think that's that's such a beautiful picture that that um, God has given us and a beautiful purpose that God has um, that he's, he's outlined for us in scripture. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, Gideon. Yeah, I, I think a great passage on this um, that ties into that is uh, Ephesians 2. Um, and verse 10, where he says, for we are the work, his workmanship, right? We're, we're created by God. We're, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, right? Which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. And I, that's it, right? God, God showed us the example of what these good works are, right? Of how to lay down our lives for one another. And he said, I want to create, I want to create a people who are like that, who, who, you know, show these same good works that I'm showing, um, 
those are the kind of people I want to have. And, and, and that's the family of God that he's building up. Ephesians is full of this image of love, right? Um, and, and it's a great book. If you're looking to kind of understand love a little bit more, I'd suggest reading through the book of Ephesians and taking your time with it because it's a fantastic spot. Um, Ephesians 3 kind of continues this idea that Paul picks this up, uh, kind of talking about the purpose of God, where he says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, right? There's that idea of faith and love being tied together again. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know what the love of Christ is, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the all fullness of God. Right? So it's it's this being rooted and grounded in love. When we understand how great God's love for us, we start to understand what God's purpose is. And it's this, like you said, a household. It's building a family. Uh, you see Paul kind of uses the dimensions of a house here um, to describe it. You kind of understand how great that family of God's going to be because God's love is so great. It's willing to overcome so much, so many trans, of our transgressions that he's building this wonderful family. Um Right. The earth with. I think I think God describes it in in Habakkuk. Um, the Bible describes it as filling the earth with God's glory, filling the earth with with people who are showing those characteristics of love. Um, and it's a beautiful picture of the entire earth being covered with people who who are showing that love. And that's kind of the end result of God's purpose. Yeah, and, and Paul again, Paul picks up on that same imagery. I think in Ephesians one. Um, in verse seven, it says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our uh, trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to the kind intention, which he purposed, there's a purpose of God, which he purposed in Christ or in him with a view of an administration. Or I think, uh, if you're reading the King James, it says dispensation. I mean, you look at that root word, it just means a household or a dwelling place, right? God wants to dwell on this earth with us. And when he, for that to happen, we have to manifest his glory or his character. And so when the whole earth is full of his glory or his character, then God will be able to dwell in this household with those who manifest that same love um, to one another as God showed to us. And that's the purpose of God kind of summed up in Christ being that, that example of that. Right. And just to bring in this idea of love into that, Gideon, that was really, really well put. In verse uh, four there of the same chapter, you know, we get the idea of what the Lord Jesus Christ, what role he plays in this um, manifestation of God's uh, plan on the earth. Right. It says there, according as he hath chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. And it's this idea that when Christ died, which was the the real physical manifestation of God's love for the earth, it allowed us to be before God as holy and blameless. And so what we see when God is now looking, looking down at the earth and into this, this remnant, this, these people for God's name, he sees reflected back at him, his own character. And that's only made possible through the sacrifice of Christ, which is the manifestation of God's love to the earth. And so I think it's all kind of full circle. It's connecting, right? <laughs> which is that, uh, which is that, you know, God's love has made possible the fulfillment of his plan. And so every time when we fail to show that same love to our brothers and sisters, when we fail to reciprocate that love back to God, we make that plan, you know, void in a sense in ourselves. We don't allow 
God to work on us, right? We've missed the point. And I really think that's what First Corinthians 13 is getting that. Definitely. I agree. Maybe just switching gears. Gideon, one of the things that Chase and I have done in the past few episodes has been to give some sort of practical advice at the end of the podcast. So I wonder if there's some practical things we can pull out here um, in terms of what are some practical things that we can do um, to specifically show love to to God. We talk about practicality of loving God. Is there more to it than showing love to others? So you guys have stuff in mind? Or are we just going to... Like, I don't want to... I don't have anything else. To me, like the big way to show love to God is to show love to other people, right? Um, I think you can't do two. If you got something, like go for it. I'm just saying I don't have a whole lot. To me, the practicality of showing love to God is by sacrificing other, for other people, right? Like that's how we show love to God, right? Well, because Christ does say, um, he says, if you've shown this to the least of these, my little ones, you've shown it out to me, right? So showing love to other people is showing love to Christ, is showing love to God. I think getting one of the pieces um, of this when you talk about showing love to others versus showing love to God and why Christ kind of highlights them individually, right? Love the Lord your God is because one is um, about kind of our own personal walk, our own choice to choose God, right? That doesn't necessarily involve other people. And so that's a, you know, that involves our prayer life. It's, uh, it's our faith. It's our personal study. Um, you know, we're trying to develop a mind like God. And in that way, we're showing love to God by putting him first. Love the Lord your God um, with all your heart's mind. So I think that's that's the difference. So you could make the argument that, yeah, okay, well, still, you know, the actual outworking of love is always for others. But I think there is an actual outworking of love that happens between you and God as you build a character like God. Do you agree with that? Or, or do you think? Uh... Yeah, I'm hesitant to say that. Um, and I don't know, Levi and I actually got into this a little bit before. Um, I think if you're doing personal Bible study for yourself, if you're praying to God for yourself, we kind of said, right, love this should be the motivating factor for all of our actions, not just with interactions with other people, I'd say in general in our life, right? God, God is love. So when we're talking about building a character of God, it, it is like, you can't separate if, we're, you know, what we do from that love, that characteristic of God. And, um, so when I, like for me, when I do Bible study, I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it so I can better explain it to other people. And yeah, that, that does pull me closer to God. Um, but through how I use it for other people, right? Like, I, I think it's, a, I, I've heard people say this, and this is where my hesitancy comes in of, oh, I can't help other people right now. I need to figure out my own life mm-hmm. first. And I think that's dangerous ground to be in because then you're so focused on yourself. Um, you're, you're missing the big thing God wants to do, which is, which is have a relationship with other people. I don't, I don't think you can show love to God without having a relationship so, with other people. So faith is, so hold on. Faith is, I think, I, I know exactly what you're getting at. And the sentiment is then, okay, well, yeah, I need time for me to get myself right. The one thing I'd say is that God is looking for a personal relationship with you. He wants your mind. He wants your heart. And so to think that we don't need to work on that, I think is maybe dangerous as well, right? So we can think, well, I, I shouldn't work on that because I have to work on it with other people. God's saying, you know what? I really, really need you to be on the same wavelength with me. And that comes from a strong prayer life. It comes from allowing, looking back on your own life and seeing how God's worked with you. And it comes out, you know, in, in sort of, it. it's, it's a internal connection with God where you are rooted and grounded on Christ. And then if that's your, if that's your current state, 
you're in a much better position to help other people. Now that doesn't mean that you're ever going to be fully there. And I think this is where people get, get, get it wrong. You know, you're constantly in a state. We're all constantly in a state where we're trying to get closer to God. We're trying to grow, but that doesn't mean we don't still work on ourselves. It doesn't mean that we still can't have a faith for ourselves. It just doesn't mean we do that to the exclusion of helping other people that I think is wrong. Right. I, if I can just add to that, an extreme example, but if you think of someone like with a with a pretty severe drug addiction, is that person in a position to spiritually help someone? Probably not. Um, yeah, you know if they well, there. I mean, there are serious examples where you would say to a person, "You're not in any state to be telling anyone anything," <laughs> but that's dangerous <laughs> in a sense because. You know, everyone has something to, 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 to recommend, right? The issue is like, obviously there are certain scenarios in which a person is not in a good spiritual state. And so you need to work with that individual and try to, you know, encourage them and bring them to a better position. Right. Does that make sense? Gideon, what do you think? Uh, no, I hear you. I do. I think, I think you're, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying okay. in some, in some regards. Um, and like, I got, I'm 50-50 with you on this, right? Um, someone with a severe drug addiction, yeah, maybe not in the best place to tell people what to do, but that's a very small part of what love is. Someone with a severe drug addiction can still show love to other people, and they should still show love to other people, right? That's, yeah, that's that's a good point to make. It's important to say, yeah. As soon as you're saying, I got to just figure myself out. I, I mean, like, look at Christ, right? Um, you, maybe during his first 30 years, right? Like, the big thing that Christ had wrong when he was 12 years old in the temple was he's like, oh, I need to build this relationship with my God. And the point was, no, you need to take care of your family. You need to, you know what I mean? That you're not just dedicating yourself. Uh, how to put this? That's a bad, that's a bad way to put it. So let me, let me pull back there a little okay. bit. Um, Gideon, I think if I could just cut you off for one second, I think the point I'm trying to make is the best example that we possibly have, obviously is like Christ because he led by example. So if we have someone in our life who's leading by example, um, and their life is filled with drugs and alcohol. That's probably not a very good example to go off of. I think that was more my point, just to clarify that. No, and agree, but like that doesn't mean they shouldn't be showing love to other people, right? And um, yeah, and, and that's I, not what I'm saying. I'm not saying they can't show love. I'm saying more along the lines of like, as someone in a position to, if that if they, if we're if we're talking about someone who is in a position to um, be able to help others. I think it's important to um, for that person to help others by leading, which I think the best way to lead is by example. And I think that's hard to do when you're in that kind of a state. Yeah. So, so, so here's a, here's a good example. Right? When we're looking at Christ. Um, maybe this is a good way of summar summarizing what I'm trying to say um, or clarifying what I'm trying to say is that like to a degree, there is that personal, like, obviously there's a personal relationship we have to have with God, right? Not to agree. Like that, that's obvious, right? Like you were saying, that's the big focus. God wants that personal relationship. Um, you see that in the way he describes us, like a father and a child, even husband and wife, he describes us with that kind of relationship. So he wants that personal relationship with us. Um, but when we look at Christ, like, and Christ obviously took time to work on that relationship, right? He went away and he fasted for days. He, he tried to get on his own. Um, but what I would put to you is that I don't think Christ did that for himself. I think he did. He did it for himself so that he was ready and refreshed to help continue. Helping exactly. Others. And so I think that's the, the key differentiator here, which is that they are two distinct things. 
Christ is still working on his faith. He's still building his connection with his God, but he's also living a life in service for other people. The two are distinct, but related, right? So our faith needs to be internal because here's the, here's the alternative, which is, well, I'm good. As long as I show love to other people, I don't need to internalize my faith. As long as other people are strengthened, that's all that matters. And that's wrong. We need to be personally strong. We need to be building our faith. We need to have a strong prayer life. We need to have love for God in our own hearts, right? That's That has nothing to do with other people. It has everything to do with right. us and God. And then, so that's distinct, but that doesn't exclude the fact that we need to be loving of other people and loving other people doesn't exclude the fact that we can't have a personal relationship with God. The two are distinct and related. I, I have a hard time saying you can separate them, right? In, in, in the sense that, like, I think I see it as a circle, right? Like God's love comes down to us. And then for us to go back to God, it has to go through serving other people, right? I can't say, you know, I just want to focus on my relationship with God. I'm going to hide in my house and never interact with anyone people and, and say that I have a good relationship with God. That's not, I, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I study his word, no matter how close I feel to God, right? Christ says, as much as you've done unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done unto me. You have to go out and apply it and show it, right? Like love, love isn't just this impractical thing right or a theoretical thing it's something that we have to where the rubber meets the road is you guys like to say right you gotta you gotta put it into practice and i think to do that you have to show it to other people right it can't just be i mean your relationship your relationship to god is essential right you you can't separate the two you can't say oh i'm only going to have love for someone else and not you know and then that kind of covers my love for god no you have to have love for god as well but in christ says like when asked what's the greatest commandment he gives those two and says, on these two commandments, hang all along prophet. You can't pull them apart. Yeah, so Christ makes Christ makes the distinction, but he does say that they are related, right? So he's saying, on these two hang the whole law. But there are two. There's a love for God and there's a love for others. And they are two distinct things, but they're in they're interdependent. How about their how about this? Gideon? How about they're leaning on each other? You can't remove one because yeah. the, the other will fall. They're, they're completely connected, but they are distinct. Our faith has to be personal because the danger, what you're getting at is that, well, we could just sit in our rooms all day and study the Bible. You know, I'm perfect. No problem. Right. I never have to deal with problems from other people. I just build my relationship with God and that's great. The other alternative is that, well, I'm so focused on other people that I might internally be really struggling, but no one else knows because I do all this other stuff with other people. And both are, both are really dangerous situations. And so we still need to have, like even Paul, he goes to Arabia for three years. Is he just sitting in a cave reading his Bible? No, likely not. But he still took time out of his ministry to get his mind right because he had all this Judaistic thoughts kicking around in his head. And he thought, I need to see Christ in the Old Testament. And when he did, he became a powerhouse for preaching. And so there's this this balance between you can't sit in your in your rooms all day and study and you can't do no study at all because then you're going to be wrong half the time, right? So it's a kind of right. having the, the relationship with both. Go ahead, Levi. Um, I was just going to add in like a kind of a silly example, but if someone was in isolation for some reason, um, whether they're like, let's say they were in prison for some reason, but they were still a believer, or let's say they were um, alone just with without anybody else around, like, I don't know, a desert island or something stupid like that, they still should be able to come to a full understanding 
of scripture and still um, be a part of the promise of God. They aren't able to help anyone else in that situation, but they should still be able to build a relationship with God to the point of being able to be a part of his plan and his purpose. Yeah. I like the, I like the point you're getting at Gideon, like self mastery is a really bizarre concept as a Christian. Like, I don't think we should be pushing to be, you know, you know, we have to improve ourselves and, you know, this kind of like self-focus that we get a lot out of with, with Christianity. It's dangerous. My dad actually gave an excitation on this a while ago. Um, and it was, it's really stuck with me. Like we see like, okay, self-improvement, right? I'm going to become a better husband, a better person, you know, a better, whatever. Um, that's really emphasized in the world, but those are actually really humanistic ways of thinking, right? It's, it's very self-focused, you know, true love, like Gideon is getting at is self-sacrificing. So how can we get away from, you know, being so self-focused without sacrificing the need in scripture? To improve. And the way we improve is to destroy self and to instead become more like God. And that's, I think, the danger. That still takes time. We still need to work on destroying self and becoming more like Christ. Right? The right. Is- it, it's, it's taking that idea of, or I'm going to be a better, sorry, I'm going to be a better husband, not for myself, but because I love my wife. No, that's a good way. Right? Yeah. yeah it's like, right? Well, it's that I'm idea. A better husband, good for me. Right? It's like, no, no, no. Now she benefits because... I'm a better husband, right? Right, and I'm gonna I'm going to become a better um, Bible student, or I'm gonna I'm going to do more Bible study because I want to help my ecclesia. And I think even that person who is in isolation, if they are doing it just for their own salvation, like that, if that's the only reason they're doing it is is for themselves, for themselves, and they're not doing it for God, that's a problem, right? So if, as long as we're always doing it for God or for others, mm. then then we're good. I think that's, that's a good way of summarizing. That's it. interesting. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I I think it's a difference of terminology. Frankly, like I think yeah. I'm on. I'm with you. Guys. I, think, I am. I, I think it's a difference of terminology. Yeah. That's throwing us off here. Cool. Well, it's been a very interesting discussion. It's been awesome to have Gideon on. And as always, in the description of uh, this podcast, we're going to leave the links to give us any feedback, questions, or comments. Um, And maybe, Chase, if you want to just summarize what we've talked about today. So what I have here is, um, first, we spoke about a definition for love. We looked at um, the verse, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. And then from that, we led into the discussion, once we had that as our definition of self-sacrifice, that true love is always self-sacrificing. Um, and then from there, we moved on to the idea that love is a motivator, that it should be the guiding force behind our actions, that it doesn't mean we don't have to be faithful, um, that we shouldn't you know, read our Bibles and all those different things. But if love isn't a motivator in our life, then all those things are worthless. And that's what 1 Corinthians 13 is really getting at. And then from there, we looked at the idea that love comes from God that true love is from God um, and that love is manifested in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that in, you know, by extension, um, God's love is critical to the fulfillment of God's plan because the result of God's love to this earth was that he sent his son to die for it. And that's John three sixteen. Thanks for that summary chase. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed this, this conversation. We certainly have. 
Um, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast, Gideon. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. It was fantastic. Awesome. Good to have you, Gideon. <laughs>